0: ToplessRobot.com presents... Hello dear listeners, no it's not a fluke, don't double check the post date. This is a brand new episode of Pasta. I just can't ignore all of the love and support that you all have for this podcast. From the positive reviews on iTunes and things like that, to when I don't post, tracking me down and messaging me and asking me to post more. For the longest time, I would get too into my own head about things, and it made it difficult for me to prioritize making episodes of the podcast. But seeing your support has meant the world to me, and I just have to keep making this podcast. Aw, shucks. Anyway... Today's episode might shine a light on a horrible incident in the Russian mountainside in 1959. Uh, Yes, I'm talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident, in which nine hikers, nine experienced hikers, were found dead in mysterious circumstances. They had cut their tent open from the inside. Uh, They were poorly clothed for the environment. Everything showed that they were in a haste, uh, in a rush, and they had split up, and some bodies were here, some were there. There were some signs of hypothermia and some paradoxical undressing and things like that, but no one could settle on a reason why they ended up how they did. Until now, Thanks to Drunken Swordsman on Reddit, his grandfather may be the key to what happened in Love Pass. I bring to you today, dear listeners, my grandfather knew what happened in the Love Pass incident. I translated his diary by Drunken Swordsman. God help us, they're still out there. Those were the last words in my grandfather's diary, which was found open on the table at which he shot himself in 2019. I was the one who found his body, a hole blasted through his head with his old army pistol. I can still see the scene to this day, blood dripping down the sides of the desk, the metallic scent on the air. I don't think it'll ever leave me. But that's not why I'm writing this. After I had grieved, that sentence began filling me with a morbid curiosity. They're still out there. Who? What was out there? My grandfather had always been a quiet man, who kept to himself and spoke little about his past. He had served in the army of the USSR in his youth, and I always assumed he kept silent about it out of guilt in being part of one of the cruelest regimes in the history of the world. After translating and reading his diary, I know better. That's what I'm here to tell you about. I know what he's keeping quiet about, and why he took his life in 2019. It's all in the diary he kept during his time in the army. The first few months, his writings are mundane, mostly detailing his training and first deployment. What is clear from these parts is that he was a patriotic man who had no trouble following orders. A soldier who kept his mouth shut and his head down. That's probably what got him where he ended up. Six months after his training, he was transferred to a base in the Earl Mountains, which he had never heard of. And that's where things start to get strange. This is his story. September 2nd, 1958. This place is like no base I have ever been stationed at. It's cut into the side of the mountains themselves, almost wholly concealed and practically undetectable from the outside. We are not allowed any communication with the rest of the world. The base is built in five descending levels, going down to the roots of the mountain. Each level is accessed by a single tunnel, with airlocks and security stations connecting them. Without authorization, you cannot leave the level you are currently in. Our commander is a hard man named Sergei Yehontov. He talks little and is ruthless in disciplining his soldiers. I've only seen him once on my arrival here. He gave us our standing orders, which must be obeyed at all times. These orders are what give me pause about this whole situation. They seem ludicrous, but several men have already been punished for not keeping them in mind. If any staff member acts disoriented or follows you to a secluded part of the base, sound the alarm immediately. You are authorized to use lethal force if they do not desist. If you find yourself in a place you do not remember entering, sound the alarm immediately and lie face down on the floor with your hands on your head but the strangest order is the last. If you are stationed at level five and the screaming stops, sound the alarm immediately. You are authorized to use lethal force until relieved. I don't know what to think of this. I wish to serve my country, but these orders fill me with a strange dread I've never felt before. September 5th, 1958. Today I befriended another soldier stationed here. His name is Yuri Ivanovic, a private like me. He seems talkative and friendly, an unusual trait among the soldiers stationed here, and he was eager to talk once I told him I was new at the base. We were discussing the strangeness of the place and the secrecy surrounding it, when I summoned the courage to ask him about what our purpose here was. Yuri, I began carefully, do you know anything about what this place is supposed to be? What is level five? And what is that screaming the orders mention? Yuri's smile faded. He leaned in closer to me. It's best you don't ask about level five, Mikhail, he said under his breath. Nothing good ever comes of talking about that place. Keep your head down and you might be lucky enough never to go down there. My skin crawled. Yuri was usually a quiet, amiable man but now he was deadly serious. What's level five, though? Have you ever been sent down there? I haven't, no, he answered. Thank God, but I know someone who has. What happened to him? I asked, realizing I, too, was instinctively whispering. He came back, but he was never the same, Yuri answered sadly. He's been changed ever since. Even the fact he came back is not common. Many soldiers sent to level five never return. Did he ever tell you about what he saw there? Only one thing. Five years, he told me. They've been screaming in the caves for five years. Yuri would tell me no more and left me at my post with more questions than answers. September 11th, 1958. Yesterday, we were sent on patrol in the area surrounding the base. The surrounding mountains are an icy wasteland and I was freezing within minutes of setting foot outside. Yuri was in our unit. He had regained his usual happy demeanor since our conversation and seemed almost untroubled by the biting cold. Our orders were simple. If we met anyone, we were to make sure they came nowhere near the mountain. We were to remain hidden if possible. But if we found any hikers going in the direction of our base, we were authorized to use any necessary measures to dissuade them. I hoped it wouldn't come to that. We only came across a single group of travelers, and thankfully they were going in a direction which would take them away from our base. We departed shortly after, making sure they weren't a threat. Whatever it is we are guarding here, it is so dangerous that even the lives of Soviet citizens are a worthy price to pay for keeping it secret. September 14th, 1958. Today, Yuri introduced me to the soldier who had been to Level 5. It was a complete accident that all three of us were stationed at the same guard post. Yuri, always talkative, took no time in starting a conversation to make the hours go by faster. The soldier's name is Ivan. He is a thin man, with nervous eyes that flick from side to side constantly. He talks in an anxious whisper. Yuri wasn't lying. Whatever Ivan saw at level five, it has left him changed forever. Yuri wouldn't let me talk with him about his time there, but I didn't even want to. Once I saw the man's state of mind, it would be cruel to remind him of something so obviously traumatizing. But even so, I left the meeting more anxious about this place than before. Ivan wouldn't stop whispering to himself. It was quiet under his breath but I made one sentence out clearly enough. Five years. Five years. Five years. It's been inside them in the dark for five years. The next few months go by with not much interesting happening. My grandfather spends most of his time either out on patrol in the surrounding areas or on guard duty in various parts of the base. He is never sent down to level five and doesn't inquire more about it. The next interesting entry is in mid-December. December 15th, 1958. I will never forget this day. We were on guard duty, checking the staff going from level 4 to level 3. It had been a long shift, five hours so far, with three more to go. It was nearing midnight when things started going to shit. It was a quiet moment, and the corridor was empty except for me and Yuri, when the man appeared. He was a researcher, not a soldier. Balding with a pair of spectacles and a round red face. He was strangely hunched over, dragging his feet and looking at the floor. I figured he was simply tired after a long shift. Papers, please, comrade, I asked him as he came up to my post. He looked up at me and I stared back. His eyes were red and bloodshot, darting from side to side, just like Ivan's. He mumbled something under his breath and made to walk past me. I stepped into his path. He hadn't given me any identification and I couldn't let him pass me by. Comrade, I need to see your authorization before you can leave Level 4. The man was looking at the ground again. Now he was closer to me. I could see him shivering. He was mumbling something under his breath. I leaned closer in to hear him. They can't... They can't get out. They... They can't get out. We've left them there for five years. Five years! I backed away slightly, raising my firearm he could see something was wrong and aimed his gun at the man's head. Comrade, he said loud and slow, please give us your authorization. The man looked at him, wide-eyed. Have you been to level five, soldier? He asked in a hoarse whisper. Have you... have you heard the trapped men scream? I need you to lie down right now, I said, panic rising in me. No amount of military training could prepare me for one of our own to behave like this. Yuri circled around, moving behind the man. The researcher didn't seem to notice. His attention totally fixed on me. He stumbled forwards, and I aimed my gun in nerveless fingers. They can never get out, he said, his voice trembling. If any men are trapped in level five, we will get them out, I said, trying to sound soothing and calm even as my heart hammered in my chest. The the men? The researcher mumbled, then he laughed. No, no, the men are trapped, but it's not them that can never be freed. They're not alone in the caves. He looked me dead in the eyes. It's the things in them that can never escape. He lunged forward, making to run past me. A gunshot rang out through the corridor. The researcher crumbled to the floor, blood leaking from his chest. Commander Sergei Yahontov stood behind Yuri, a smoking pistol in his hand. His face was twisted and barely contained fury. I snapped to attention, Yuri quickly following suit. "'What is your first standing order, Private?' he asked, walking face to face with us and looking at me. To sound the alarm if any staff member appears disoriented or follows us, sir. We are allowed to use lethal force if they do not comply with our commands, sir. And did this man comply, Private? He did not, sir. Then why did you not sound the alarm? Why was this man still alive when I found you? You forgot your orders, and that can't be tolerated in this base. There is a punishment for disobedience, Private. He smiled cruelly. You will both report... To level five tomorrow at noon. My blood ran cold. Yuri stepped up to Sergei. Permission to speak, sir. Granted. The blame is mine, sir. I told Private Mikhail Sidorov to hold fire. I have overstepped my rank and disobeyed standing orders. I opened my mouth in shock. Yuri was lying. He was protecting my skin at his own risk. He shot me a quick glance and shook his head almost imperceptibly. I shut my mouth. The situation was your fault then, Sergei asked him slowly. Yes, sir, then you will report to level five tomorrow alone. Now continue in your task. A cleanup team will arrive shortly to dispose of this body. With that, he walked off. I turned to Yuri when Sergei was out of earshot. Are you mad? I'm to blame too. You can't take the fall for this. You know what level five did to Ivan and to that researcher. You can't possibly... Keep calm, Mikhail. Yuri cut me off. I could tell he was trying to remain casual and managing so with great difficulty. There's no reason for two of us to go down there if we can avoid it. I'll be fine. Don't worry. It can't be as bad as everyone would have you believe. He smiled wryly. Besides, this way I can tell you about what's down there when I get back. The rest of our guard shift was carried out in silence. Yuri then departed to his bunk to catch some sleep before he has to report to level five. But I cannot sleep. I can't stop thinking about what could be waiting down there and what my friend might come back like if he comes back at all. December 16th, 1958. Yuri has not returned from level five. It's almost midnight and I still haven't seen any sign of him. December 17th, 1958. Still no sign of Yuri. I can't sleep. I stay awake for hours wondering if he's alright. December 19th, 1958 Yuri still hasn't come back. What is happening down there? December 20th, 1958 Today, I couldn't take it anymore. When my guard duty ended this evening, I managed to catch Commander Johantov while he was on his way to the officers' quarters. Permission to speak, sir. My voice was hoarse with trepidation of this conversation. He looked at me, a sort of apathetic curiosity coming over his face. He glanced down at my name tag. Granted, Private Sidorov. Sir, five days ago, my friend, Private Yuri Ivanovic, was sent to level five. He hasn't come back since then. I'm worried about him sergey looked in my eyes his face unreadable and what do you wish for me private i want to know whether yuri is alive sir whether he is all right i said my mouth was dry and my throat clenched as Sergei looked at me an all too familiar anger building behind his eyes you are aware that discussing our work here is not recommended aren't you private i had gone too far to back out now i could only press on Yes, sir, I am. Then listen well to me, Mikhail Sodorov. Whether your friend is or isn't alive is of no concern to me or our task here. Our only job is to keep level five secure. That is what we are here to do, and I will gladly send every man in this base to their death if it means that task is carried out. Sergei's voice was getting louder and louder until he was shouting at the top of his lungs, spittle flying into my face. Completely unknowingly, I had touched on a subject which I should have never opened with him. Sir, I- I began, trying to apologize. Sergei wouldn't have it. What's down there can never come to the light of day, do you understand? If your friend shot himself after what he heard there, it is a low price to pay. Never forget that." With that, he turned and stormed off. I might have made a huge mistake today. December 21st, 1958 If I never write again in this diary, know I have either killed myself or am too changed to ever write my memories down again. This morning, we received our orders for the day, as usual. Guard duty, maintenance or patrol, that's all I've ever done here. Not today, though. The officer read down the list, reciting the names and duties for the first part of the day. I was always at the end of the list, and only started paying attention towards the end of his monologue. Geneva, guard duty, level four, oh eight hundred. 0800. Kuznetsov, guard duty, level 4, 0800. Chernyshevsky, patrol, 1000. He suddenly stopped just before my name. His eyes tightened as he squinted down on his list, as if surprised by what he read there. Then he spoke in a strangled voice Mikhail Sodorov, report to level 5. You've just listened to part one of My Grandfather Knew What Happened in the Dyatlov Pass Incident. I translated his diary by Drunken Swordsman on Reddit. Our intro and outro music are Coffin by Modem, as always. And our creepy atmospheric background music is by Thomas Prislak Jr. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. You can also find us on YouTube, where I am uploading full episodes to our YouTube channel. Not many subscribers yet, but if you search for Creepy Podsta, you should be headed in the right direction. Thanks to our story curator, Jasmine. She came up with this great idea to end every episode. With a two sentence horror story. Leave this child's body, you foul demon! The priest chants, lashing at the young boy with splashes of holy water, from which he recoils and screams. Nobody had thought of it then. But it was any kind of water the froth mouthed boy was terrified of, just like that fox that had bit him weeks prior. So that's our two sentence horror story for the week by The Dude on Reddit. Thank you all for listening, and remember, sleep tight.